Hello and a big warm welcome to a post-Leeds Holtcast. It's episode 122. As per usual, I'm your host, James Rushton, and once again, I'm joined by Daniel Raza. How are you doing, mate? How are you getting on? I'm doing well, James. It's been a good weekend. It's been a good weekend of sport, you know. Uh, it's, it's been pretty fun-packed, I think, in plenty of different sports. been keeping my eye on. Uh, but it's always good when we sort of start the weekend with, with Villa getting a good result. So, yeah, I'm in good mood, man. How about you? Uh, yeah, really, uh, really happy. Been working on a few projects. Um, we'll go on to that in a second. But um, I heard uh, a little bit told me that sports talk had come to an end, mate, for this season. At well, least. it's co- yeah, yeah, it's coming end for 2017. You know, we, we want to see if we can if we can carry on and do something for next year. But you know, it's always always a case of, of waiting up and seeing seeing what projects are around. We've got a few got a few things in the pipeline. Um, but yeah, for now. For now, there's no more sports talk, which uh, basically means I'm going to get bored every Saturday morning. Uh, and it also means that I've got a dangerous amount of free time on my hands. Uh, so soon enough, I'm going to have to launch the podcast I've been I've been trying to launch. And uh, also, got to keep a bigger eye on the Holtcast. Yeah, man, Mark, we're always happy to have you, you know, every Sunday and even midweek if we can get around to it. Because uh, we did something midweek with John McKenzie uh, for listeners. You know, we previewed. Uh, the Leeds game last Sunday, but we also got a Leeds fan journalist, John McKenzie, on midweek, and we're hoping to do more stuff like that. You know, Daniel's got a lot of free time now, so he can uh, shed his creative arts wherever he can. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that podcast? Yeah, so um, I've, I might as well start talking about it now because the thing is, if I don't, if I don't start telling people about it, I'll never get around to doing it. You know how these things go. A lot of us yeah. have ideas, and <laughs> we just want to we want to put them out, but just don't know where to start a lot of the time. But yeah, I'm gonna do a little bit of a tour. A, hy- a hypothetical tour um, where I will be traveling from one side of the country to the other um, from every, basically trying to visit uh, every single club in the football league. Now I won't be able to get in a car and do that myself, but what I will be doing is speaking to one fan, interviewing one fan from every single club and basically trying to get to a point where I've interviewed somebody from every single one of the teams in the football league. And I think that's um, just sounds like a fun project. And I've decided to call it for now, challenge 92 and here's to hoping first episode should be out by the end of the year, but you never know with these things. Uh, it's always difficult to get, get one of these things started, but now, now things are looking like they could be going, um, could be quickening up very soon. Yes, yeah, so pay attention to you know what Daniel's going to be making because I think that's a really interesting project. Especially, there's a number of good projects along that lines, but I don't think anyone's actually went to a fan from each club to speak about the situation. I think there's who are you pies, and that's excellent, but that goes into you know a, a whole in-depth story rather than you know, what's going on right now. But yeah, um, exciting project, Daniel, and uh, exciting projects from Villa going on. That was a weird, weird match to start off with on Friday. You know, we had the early kickoff on Friday. Well, the match was moved a day forward mm. because of TV or whatever. Big, big game, mate. Uh, we wanted Villa to win. We didn't want them to lose, of course. But we come out with a mixed result. We won't get into the res- the exact lines of the result just yet. Mm. What were your thoughts going into this? I think we always knew it was going to be a tough game. You look at those attacking midfielders that, that Leeds have and... We obviously knew they were going to be a threat. It was obviously proven that that was the case as well, especially, you know, just looking at the statistics, you know, not, not going even into the Villa match, you know, just looking at the statistics of guys like like um, Saiz and, of course, Hernandez, who just, just put in so much service to the to the rest of the Leeds, um, the rest of the Leeds players. And it, we, we always knew it was going to be difficult on that on that front. Uh, 
we also did speak about you know some of the dangerous players you know elsewhere in that in that lead side. I did say in the podcast last week that those two defenders, uh, Luke Luke Ayling and of course uh, Pontus Janssen, would both be uh, threats to us, and uh, it did turn out that that was the case as well. So I did think it was going to be a difficult one uh, going into it, and you know I think we both said that that a draw would be a good result. Villa were hassled early on, weren't they? I think that Leeds press, whatever <laughs> Thomas Christiansen's doing at Leeds, is quick. It's quick ball retention. It's winning the ball back and putting an absurd amount of pressure on the opponent. And it's a cauldron at that Ellen Road. The fans, incredible. Leeds fans. I mean, we've had a bit of stick on the blog from Leeds fans just because, you know, we're higher than them. We can afford to maybe drop three points. Every match isn't desperate and we haven't had a bad run of form. But for credit to their fans, they made it a very uncomfortable place to play. Yeah, no, they have. They, they, they have. It's it's always going to be difficult at Leeds United. And when, when the players actually put that much effort into into pressing a, a side down, I mean, it wasn't even it wasn't even that they were pressing so much. I mean, they, they, they did do that, but they had the ball so so much in the first half. You know, they, you look at the possession statistics, they, they made it very, very difficult for Villa to have the ball in the first place. They just make it difficult for anybody to go over to Ellen Road and actually make chances and, and, and even sort of, get a foot in in the game um it's not to say that that it's without criticism uh the, the way that they play but certainly if 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 you manage to 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 pile that kind of energy onto a side in the early um in the early uh sort of parts of the game then you can put it beyond them fairly quickly and that's what happens when 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 Leeds obviously score a goal very quickly their goal we'll get onto that now it came from a set pace and i think Hindsight, it's it's a bit of a hindsight bias, you know, the benefit of slow replays. But in live action, Christopher Samba marking his man, lost his man, Pontus Janssen, the incredible, deadly Pontus Janssen, may we add, because that was a that was a world class striker's finish from that uh, the set piece. Uh, was it? I, I forgot now. It was either a corner or a free kick. One of them was from a corner or a free kick. Um, Chris Samba lost his man in the slow motion replay. It looks hideous. It looks like a total lapse of concentration. It looks like Chris Samba's done everything wrong. Where I, I think the truth may be somewhere in between, as it always is uh, in the live action. Pontus Janssen hustled him completely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, look. I think a lot of Villa fans gave up, gave Pontus Janssen um, some stick at the end of the game. A lot of people were were not happy with the way that he played, and perhaps you know some of the some of the challenges he put in, perhaps uh, the way that he went down in the box during one particular challenge. For me, he was man of the match all round. Um, and just you know, sort of speaking about the way that, that Leeds were playing with the, with the set pieces, they consistently made those opportunities. That particular one was one obviously where we were unlucky. Pontus Janssen, he basically outmuscled Chris Samba. And there's nothing you can do at that point. Samba was marking him. Samba tried to get to the ball. Uh, but I'm afraid Pontus Janssen had the better of the momentum, didn't he? And uh, w- when you get that, um, the ball's always going to be in the attacker's court. And uh, unfortunately for Villa, uh, they, weren't able to, they weren't able to prevent that. But as I say, that wasn't the only time they troubled us from set pieces. In fact, they consistently did it throughout the game, um, including uh, their other defender, Cooper. Yeah, I mean, we have the benefit of being able to look back. And at the time, maybe we were a lot harsher on Chris Samba than maybe he deserved. Uh, he's obviously not a bad defender. You don't get around the places he's been and play at the level he's been playing. If you're a terrible, terrible defender, well, Titus Bramble might be the exception to the <laughs> rule and maybe Mike Williams and people like that. 
Chris Samba is someone who's been at the the biggest levels of the game. Uh, we were a bit too harsh on him. I think he could have done better. Certainly, really should have done better. But in the heat of the moment, Pontus Janssen, incredible, incredible play. I think any team would love to have someone like who can hustle a defender, who can hustle defenders, especially from those set piece opportunities. Pontus Janssen gives lead the goal, leads the goal early on, and it's all downhill from there in the first half, really, isn't it? Uh, Villa really struggled. Yeah, they they did struggle. Uh, but I think what when you look at this in hindsight, if I'm totally honest, we were the better side before that goal went in. You know, we we were creating the chances. It's, even though Leeds did have the ball, they were so open defensively. Now I did mention obviously that there there were problems with the way that Leeds played as well. What happens with that high pressing game is that your defenders end up getting lost a lot of the time Ailing and Berardi were so far forward that it led to easy well I won't say easy I'll say it led to a lot of opportunities for for players like Adoma to break throughout that uh, throughout that first half but once that goal did go in Leeds did manage to get some sort of a foothold in in the first half and it was that typical Villa syndrome of of generally um you know finding it difficult once um once going down but uh, they did seem to wake up in the second half, and I think there were a couple of chances in the first half after after that goal. In all fairness to them, um, it, I think what we saw, James, is it was a very evenly matched game. If I'm totally honest, uh, but it, but it was interesting tactically. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad Villa got their way back into the game eventually. But there were a number of players who really did struggle. I think Keenan Davis couldn't really find his footing mm. in the game. Josh Onoma especially looked not lost at points, but certainly unable to get into the flow of the game. I'm not sure whether that's a case of him being constantly performing at that high level with that high work rate or just Leeds pressuring him out of the game. I, I mean, Robert Snodgrass, uh, Glenn Whelan, there was a lot of players who really struggled. Albert Adoma was Villa's bright spark as usual, and he should have done better with one of the chances I can remember. And it was just, it, he was in a really good position. And I think we, we've all come to expect a bit more from the, the man on the left. Yeah, Villa really struggled. And not much seemed to have been done at halftime to correct that. You know what? I think... I mean, you made you made a couple of points there. I'm just going to go to the to the first couple you made, obviously about Onoma and Keenan Davis. Keenan Davis, he did press. He did what you'd expected of him at the start of the season, but uh, I think he found it difficult to find um, Snodgrass and Adoma when they were in space. Josh Onoma, I'm going to go one better. With, uh, I'm going to go one better than you, James. When you say that you're not sure if he was lost, I'll tell you. Uh, that I I totally forgot he was he was part of the game. He did absolutely jack for the first half, absolutely jack, and I think it was a woeful performance from him. Um, he did he did show that kind of um, he did show that kind of attitude where you do see players and we've seen players do it at Villa before, where you'll play well for a couple of games and then just drop off and almost go missing. And it just needed a bit more from him, and it, we we needed a little bit more fight from him going forward. And I think that's why Keenan Davis looked almost um, alone at times up there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think even at halftime, uh, I think it would have been a bit. What's the word? I think I think it would have been a bit too panicky to just go around making changes straight away. I think what they did need was a bit of a talking to. To be honest, I think that's all that uh, I think that's all they did need. And, and they came straight back out um, in the second half, basically. Uh, barnstorming leads. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if you've seen, you know, the deeper statistics. I mean, expected goals had leads at 0.08. You know, for, it would take them about 10 games to get a goal if they kept playing like that. But they put the ball in the net twice. So it, it was a bit worrying to see, especially from another set piece. Thankfully, it was taken offside, uh, rightly so. But <laughs> at that point, I was just... Oh, it, it was worrying to see Villa be so sloppy at set pieces, especially when they are such a physical and domineering team at the back. And you got Steve yeah. Bruce as manager. It's like, what is going on? It was, and it it was clear that Leeds had worked on that as well, though, wasn't it? it just it, there, there was there's so much of that. It was just not being able to handle that that um that tenacity from Cooper and Janssen. But you don't come across those kinds of defenders every single game. I have to say that that I think you have to give them credit for their aerial presence. Uh, to be honest, but it's it, it's a difficult one to to defend against. If I'm totally honest with you, like. What what you need there? You almost need somebody like John Terry to be able to deal with that kind of um, uh, to be able to deal with that kind of aerial onslaught. Uh, onslaught. I don't care who you are, right? If you're a big defender, right, height is not going to do anything for you when you've got another guy who's about six foot two rushing at you uh, uh, at a high speed, uh, and then it's almost going to be a case of of them versus the goalkeeper, isn't it? But I think the reason why we look at Villa in this way. Uh, when it comes to set pieces is because we're not as reliant on them as, as other teams are. I think we're used to seeing ourselves play well in, uh, from open play um, and don't necessarily see ourselves as an aerial threat. And I think that's why, uh, I think that's why we struggle to, to kind of understand how, how sides do manage to, to get those kinds of goals against us. Yeah. They were very easily able to unlock the Villa defence with uh, set set players. Set players are incredible because they're where, you know, I say, quote-unquote, lesser teams can grab goals. You know, we see set-piece exploitation at times. Especially, uh, I remember correctly, Villa uh, under Martin O'Neill were very good at corners, free kicks, that sort of thing where you can just grab a goal, change the game, put your signature on the game, put your mark on the game. Um, it has, it's something we've really missed for a long time, being able to do anything at all with set pieces. I know we've had Ashley Westwood taking them, Veritu, <laughs> Lansbury, Horahans, Engzogbia. You know, the list goes on downing. We've had so many people since the days of Ashley Young, James Mill and Gareth Barry who could just curl it in, put it on someone's head. It's a goal. Martin Larson that one year had a striker's goal tally. We haven't had that since. And you see the benefit of it in a team like Leeds, especially when you look at the deepest statistics, 0.08 uh, expected goals, which is, you know, the quality of chances. That's a goal every 10 games, man. That's that's awful. That is incredibly anemic striking. But the truth of the matter is Leeds put the ball in the net twice from set pieces. They changed the game based on the quality of the chance they made from the set pieces. And that's that's absolutely incredible. That's that's what good set players do for you. On the other side, Villa have 0.47. That's a goal every two games. You know, that's 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 a decent play. But the the fact of the matter is Leeds are able to just, you know, two big chances from set pieces. That's how you that's how you steal victories. That's something Villa need to work on. Yeah, but I, I don't know, man. I think I'd I'd ra- much rather we line up the way that we are, that we do and get the goals from open play just by being the better football team and being able to unlock defences. Set pieces are good and it's good if you're able to, it's good if you're able to score from them. 
I don't think, you know, by any means that, that we're not able to score from them because we've we've seen John Terry put it in the net this season. We've seen James Chester do it too. We, it is possible for us to do it. I think it's just the cases where the kind of team that looks for openings in another in a defense and usually manages to get manages to get a goal through a counter attack and um you know clean good football um I, ju- I think aside like Leeds if I'm totally honest with you James they rely on it because you look at somebody like Ekuban who played up front for them and fair enough right Ekuban what he does bring is um he he, do- he he did manage to press the Villa defense so often he did manage to you know get in his own sort of space very often and he basically supported um, Hernandez and Alioski for a lot of the game, but uh, they, they don't have anybody who's lethal up there. You know, I was talking about Lasaga never came back. Um, he wasn't fit enough for the game, so so they almost had to rely on that kind of on that kind of chance being taken. I prefer it the way that we are at the moment. Yeah, our, our free kicks aren't aren't amazing, but we don't we also don't get that many opportunities to take them. Uh, and uh, you know, you got to remember that. Um, it's not like I did particularly disagree. I prefer football from open play. I'm just saying set pieces are a great way to change the dynamics of a match. And that's that showed, especially in the Leeds match. If Villa could do a lot more of that and especially work more on not being unlocked like that, because they're not terribly difficult to defend. You've got Chris Samba, a humongous mountain of a man. You know, who knows how to head the ball? And John Terry's coming back. James Chester, you've got three people in the box. You shouldn't be beat aerially. Um, so, you know, maybe in the future that's something mm. to look at. But Villa, they they made some positive moves, didn't they? Especially in the second half. I'm not sure if Steve Bruce said anything because Glenn Whelan got better in the match. Keenan Davis, he he was all right. But Josh Onema still looked lethargic. And Connor Hurahan especially went a bit downhill. Is their play anything to do with the lack of rotation, do you feel? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're, they're being told to go out and and run around every single week and, and stay to, you know, uh, and stay to basically uh, the, the the same sort of standard as they've been playing every single week. Now, don't get me wrong, right? Footballers of that standard, of this level, should be able to put up with this kind of pressure. I get that, but I think we might have more of an edge if we let some other players come through. But yeah, I think the way to defend Steve Bruce over here is we, we do know that both Grealish and Lansbury have been out injured for a while and it's difficult to insert them back in the team. We will see more of that rotation now. We will see more of it. Steve Bruce even alluded to it in the Leeds press conference. I think he was talking about the fact that we don't get breaks now. Um, I mean, we don't get breaks in England uh, the way the, the way that you do over in Europe. And that is something that, that is going to be uh, an issue for players' fitness. What I saw during that game was Conor Hurahan's positioning was absolutely... Um, mind-boggling I didn't know where I didn't know what he was doing half the time it almost seemed as though Whelan had, had sat back as a as a linchpin and Hurahan was just was given sort of free reign you know at one point to be on the left-hand side of midfield and the other point be on the right-hand side of midfield and it all just stems to me as some sort of issue to do with focus and a lot of that time come a lot of that comes from um a lot of that comes from fitness and and and, and being told to run around for 90 minutes every single week. Yeah, so that's exactly how I felt. I feel that Villa, were, they've constantly been asked to press high. Onoma's work, work rate, Horahan's work rate, and especially Davis's work rate has always been exceptional. 
and it's, it was just another drop off. Um, you've seen it slowly, them slowly erode for a few games, and that's not a negative against them. It's just you can't, you know, full fitness for an entire season, impossible to achieve, and peak fitness, even rarer. You're going to be 100%, maybe two, three games yeah. a year, if that. Yeah. Um, especially with the amount of games in the championship. Man. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I, I think you, if you want to have a look at a case study, look at Liverpool. Ever since Jurgen Klopp's come in, uh, he's always got Liverpool off to a decent start, right? Maybe not this season. Uh, this season isn't my case study. But the last couple, for sure. Always comes in, gets Liverpool off to a decent start. But his style of Gagan pressing, pressing high off the pitch, I'm not saying by any means that Steve Bruce is emulating Jurgen Klopp here, but what we are doing is we're playing a lot more of a high-pressing game, uh, which, we, 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 which, which is some sort of a, of a Jurgen Klopp light approach, if you, if, if you want to say that. Um, but we, we always saw that with Liverpool. They'd start off really, really well. You know, you've got the likes of their strikers and their, and their forwards running at defenders and, and, and scoring goals. But then what you end up seeing is later on during the season, a drop off, especially with defence, because the midfielders are, 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 running, out of, um, are running out of energy uh, by the end of the season. Uh, and, and it just ends up making the whole team look sloppy. When in reality, what you end up seeing is mistakes from midfielders, which then you know, puts the pressure on the defenders. We saw parts of that in the Leeds game as well. We the, the, the reason why Leeds were able to score so many, well, the reason why Leeds were able to get so many opportunities from set pieces was because we were giving so many of them away. And that was partly to do with fitness. And uh, it's, it's, it's a shame that we've had so many players out. But Millwall next week, uh, I, I do think that, that Bruce is going to rotate, especially after what Lansbury and uh, Grealish did when they came on. Speaking of those two, they come on kind of midway through the second half of the game. Villa were, I wouldn't say they were getting better. They were just, they were establishing establishing themselves more in the game, but they weren't making any serious inroads to correcting the scoreline. When Henry Lansbury and Jack Grealish came on, the game changed in ways that I've not seen a football game change for a substitution for a very long time. Because not just the goal that came from it, but more so the influence they exerted on the match. It was it was something to behold, the confidence in which Lansbury and Grealish played. And we'll come on to Pontus Janssen again now, because you know there are moments of play acting from him. I think we're both teams are guilty of that. The way he tried to punish Henry Lansbury and the way Jack Grealish and him stepped up to the big man you know, it's pure team spirit. It's incredible to see. And it's incredible to see Henry Lansbury. He's been out, you know, he's a bit of a character. He's, we can say he's got a bit of an ego. He comes out after being benched for ages after injuries and just does the business, does the job like a true professional. And I think that has to be completely applauded, mate. Yeah. Look, this is a lad who's, who's come through the Arsenal Academy, isn't he? Um, am I right? It was Arsenal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit, you know, we we can say he's a bit of a big time. Yeah, Charlie, he's, isn't he's, it? he's he's going to want to prove himself, right? In La- in Lansbury's mind, I've got no doubt. In his mind, he's a Premier League midfielder, right? He's come through with some big big talents, and he's done a good job in the Championship for a number of seasons. Last season was not his best; it was probably his worst in the Championship. He's got a point to prove. When Conor Hurahan and Glenn Whelan playing so well in that midfield, right? Lansbury has to step up. There's no excuse anymore. Last season, there was players around him. It wasn't just him who weren't performing and weren't stepping up to the plate. Now, 
we've got a complete unit. We've got a team who are playing in uh, in a particular way where there's a chemistry, um, where there's a chemistry that's, that's clearly going on. And, you know, we might be able to see his potential uh, at this point. And I think he always looked good, Lansbury, but there was just points where he didn't seem to fit in and we, we didn't quite know what his role was in the team uh, and his role in the midfield. But, hey, look, he just showed when he came on that this guy can be a quality playmaker. Yeah, and it wasn't just the technique. He showed it was the attitude he put in the game. He wasn't getting into fights. He wasn't getting into spats. He was just making his presence known. And that has to go That has to go for Jack Grealish as well. Someone who, you know, he was, he's been targeted in the past. You know, he's been fouled. He's been kicked around. He, isn't, he doesn't help himself <laughs> sometimes, but no, he, he he played the man's game. He got rough. He got he pushed people around. He was giving a few punch, not punches. He was doling them out though. He was he was getting scrappy. A few off the ground tackles, and he come back in, showed himself. And if it wasn't Henry Lansbury who dragged Villa to victory in that match, it was also Jack Grealish. He set up be- beautiful touch to set up Henry Lansbury. Beautiful pass through. And Henry's obviously dispatched it into the corner of the goal, dragged Villa to victory, not victory, a draw, come back from a defeat. But it's Jack Grealish's influence on that match is beyond his years. And I think there was a lot of doubt when Grealish was brought on because he hasn't had a big role this season. He's come on in the last five, <laughs> ten minutes. But this was, you know, 25 minutes remaining. He's come on and he's, you know, blown, blown the match away. Yeah, I mean, just very, very quickly, a word on that, a word on that goal, and a word on the opportunity that was created. If we're going to praise Grealish and we're going to praise um, Henry Lansbury for it, I want to, I want to really throw out a shout out to Neil Taylor, who just did not let himself get bullied when he was taken to ground and still kept the ball moving forward. Um, and I, and I, and I think that has to be commendable because a lot of players in this day and age would have just taken the foul and uh, and, and and just you know. Um, sat there sulking, but he 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 set he kept that ball moving forward for for Grealish to Grealish to play Lansbury through. Uh, but yeah, back onto the point of Grealish. I honestly think, and I and I had this inkling in the first half. This game was absolutely made for him. Onoma was not getting anywhere with Leeds, and what it did need right was almost somebody to exploit that uh, that defense where Jansen was actually coming out of his position quite often during that quite often during that match. The wings. You know, we didn't utilize him as much as we could have done, but Adoma did find himself through a couple of times because Ailing and Baradi, both of them, just looked like they were they were they were being dragged out of position half the time. And it needed somebody like Grealish who knows how to exploit that space and knows how to skip through defenders to 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 basically take advantage of that. And I and I have to say, well done to him because he needed that twenty five minutes. Uh, you, you mentioned that he's been brought on a couple of times in in the last couple of matches. What do you expect him to do in those games when generally it's time for, for Villa to shut off? Now he's been brought on with some sort of responsibility and that's what kind of breaks a player back after injury. And, uh, I, and I have to applaud him for that. Um, now the question is whether Grealish and Lansbury <laughs> keep that up or whether they drop back into old habits the last couple of seasons maybe. Of, uh, of of dropping off and and not perhaps showing their potential and showing showing their their full skill set. It's a big worry, isn't it? Because there's two players we're talking about, Jack Grealish and Henry Lansbury. They aren't the most consistent performers at all. No, <laughs> you know, we completely complete respect them, but they drop. You know, we've Conor and even players like Bakun, everyone we've had in midfield in the past, at least performed to some certain level. 
whether it was, you know, sometimes they'd be above and sometimes they'd drop back down. But Lansbury and Grealish, especially in my mind, the two players that have not at Villa for Lansbury, but they've excelled completely and stormed matches. And then they've just gone missing for six or seven. Um, Henry Lansbury especially hasn't really made any kind of impact at Aston Villa bar this game. So hopefully it's time to kick on. Yeah, time to kick on for them both. Um, first goal for Lansbury, that's, that's it now. You know, we expect at least something, at least something better than what we've seen, especially Jack Grealish. You know, there's talents like Onoma, Deli Ali, people who've come through Tottenham that are blowing him away. It's time for him to step up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I mean, even even Onoma, there's, there's always going to be that chance that he's going to drop off. He's he's already shown me that we can't be picking him every single game. Um, now, what, one thing I'm interested in, uh, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm maybe moving away from the point, but we've only got three midfielders now. So Lansbury obviously is going to have to be coming in for, for Hurahan or Whelan every now and then, right? Who's the next player that, that, that comes back through and, and almost shows their worth? Because we've got uh, an Icelandic international, haven't we? Sat on our bench pretty much every other game who perhaps also might have a point to prove. And I'm, I'm wondering if Bjarnason comes in and replicates the same sort of thing. I don't know. Um, that's just uh, That's just another little thing to add on to that question well if Albert Adome is doing what he's doing there's no reason that a more quote-unquote gifted player someone with real international caliber someone who's been around the block across different leagues in Europe can do just as much Berkey be honest as a talent um, he hasn't really had a comfortable time at Aston Villa he's been pressured off the ball he's looked very uncomfortable in the bit part role he's played he's been played across the pitch uh Sometimes it does look like another Leandro Bukuna is going to come onto the team, a talented, promising player with some, you know, a certain quality to him that's played across the pitch, loses his head, doesn't really get kicking on, and it's a waste. I can't see that. I can see the same happening with Bjarnason, but I think his attitude to the game is completely different to Bakuna. I'm hoping that if we have any serious injury to either of our wingers, yeah. that Bjarnason can be the, the first choice to step up. And I hope he's played for a full 90 minutes and I hope he gets comfortable because Villa won that game. They didn't, sorry, I keep saying they won that because it feels like a victory. Uh, Villa came back into that Leeds match because of their depth. You know, that point was earned, if nothing, because of the substitution, the calibre of substitutions we had. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And we, we haven't we haven't had it for a while because Greenish and Lansbury have been injured. <laughs> it's not it's not just those two have been injured, right? We we've we've now uh, we're talking about players coming back in the team. We've got loads of players missing, and to the fact that we've still managed to to bring players on uh, and 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 do, and do something is is commendable. There wasn't a single recognised striker on that bench either. I, that's that's going to be another worry, but. I think at least now we, we've got somebody else who can come into the position of, of playing just behind Kevin Davis because it seems to me now that Jack Grealish is being primed as a, as an attacking midfielder. And dare I say it, I reckon he'll start next week ahead of Onoma. Um, I think at the very least, he's going to make Onoma panic um, to play yeah, to be playing in that position. And what I want to see is more of this competition for places. We've never had it and um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see it back at Villa Park. And it's a real quality of competition, isn't it? It's not like you've just got Bakuna waiting around in the wings. It's not like you have to rely on young talents to step up. It's more so that we know what we have and it's incredible. Um, we, I feel like we only signed Onoma, you know, a really big English talent. It must be said that Tottenham fans aren't at all happy with the fact that we have him. 
you know, on loan when he he should be rightly playing in their first. I don't team. know about that, mate. They they said that they they don't like that. Really? <laughs> you know, they're, yeah. I mean, uh, cartilage free captain. It came as a big surprise to him that the fact we had it, we have him. So on what's loan. interesting? He was sorry. Carry on. Knocking on the door. He was knocking on the door, according to them. Wow. I mean, yeah, but like, he's 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 not shown me that quality. You know, about it's it's. It's it's interesting because maybe he's not pulling his weight. We we've got a player out on loan who's who's absolutely being you know he's getting the Mickey taken out of him by MK Dons fans you know in Shibola as well. And what's interesting in Onoma and, and Grealish is both of them step up to the plate on the international game, don't they? Or you know when they're playing under twenty ones football, but neither of them have have shown any sort of consistency whatsoever at club level. So. It's just it's, yeah. it's interesting because they're clearly talented. Um, but what, what do you attribute that to? Uh, would Onoma be able to put in any sort of impact to a Tottenham Hotspur side where you've got uh, Christian Eriksen, Hyung Min Son, Deli Ali, and um, Eric Lamella, who's back from injury? Um, you know, all all fighting for places. I don't know. Don't think so. I don't think it's a question we'll ever be able to answer as well because I think. Onoma has been he has been a really important player for us, and I think it isn't a case of him being bad. Maybe a bit more of a case of him being slightly inconsistent. But it's also the it comes back to fitness, doesn't it? If you're going to ask someone to play in that number ten role, but also ask them to drop deep, run across the the flanks, get into the defender's face, it's gonna it's a hard job for you know a kid. Yeah, yeah. Look, look. He's 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 being asked to do a job which is difficult. It's clearly going to be difficult, and it's not like he has. Um, uh, an experienced striker to support him in in that either. He's he's playing with another lad who's just coming into playing club football, and it's tremendous that uh, that that they're both stepping up to the plate. But really, if you want to if you want to answer the question as to why Villa are doing as well as they're doing this season, it's down to the midfield and it's down to the experienced players behind them. Uh, you just um, you, you just have to have to thank. Um, thank them for their efforts otherwise Davis Anonima might actually you know have that risk of uh, or, or might have had that risk of, of being just a little bit lost um, certainly in in the older Villa sides of a couple of seasons ago it would have been like that without the experience around them so, yeah. yeah heading back to the Leeds match mate there was a some weird incidents going on in that second half it was it turned into a real scrappy game and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe both teams could have went down to ten men rather easily. Yeah, there were a few bad tackles, wasn't there? Uh, <laughs> uh, Hutton, Hutton, Hutton just kept on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was Pontus Janssen, right? He, yeah, he, 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 he was putting in bad challenges all over the place. Alan Hutton as well was yeah. just he, he'd gotten into a proper little scrap with um, who was it on the left hand side? Hernandez, wasn't it? Yeah, he'd gotten into a proper little scrap with him and Bar- No, it was Berardi as well, the left back. Yeah, yeah. Hernandez, I believe, was taken off in the first half due to injury, but it would have been both of them, to be fair. Uh, he he committed five fouls without a yellow card, and then the referee would punish him for a foul that was committed on him five seconds earlier. It, it the referee lost a bit of control on that flank because I was just, fair, there were yellow card challenges. So yeah, it, it was booked for an acclamation of him, uh, <laughs> fairly fairly so. But I think he was heading for a red card at the end. He was real. It's coming. The Alan Hutton red card is something that is going to happen because I'm not sure why such a senior player. It's almost like a lesser Jerry Barton in the sense that he's always ready to just explode and he never learns and he's always getting in the ref's face and you know he's 
ah, and you can see the anger. And it's just like Alan, mate. You know, you're going to get sent off, and we're going to be down a player on the flank. And it's just, just you, there's no reason for him to lose his head at all. My favorite, my favorite one was the first foul. No, I think it was when he got fouled, wasn't it? Was it? Was it? Was it Berardi? Someone uh, went in on him. He got right. up and went at him again, <laughs> didn't he? He got straight back up and just looked at him in the face as if, "What are you doing, mate?" And uh, you just uh, he honestly, if you're the opposition, um, if you're an opposition winger or defender, he's not the guy you you, you want to be. You want to be upsetting because you know there's there's two effects it can have. You know, one effect is that you're gonna basically get the guy riled up enough to get himself sent off. We've certainly seen that happen with Alan Hutton. But I think more often than not, uh, the effect that you have is you wake up the beast in Alan Hutton, right? He was dressed as uh, William Wallace today, wasn't he? Um, for uh, for fancy dress for whatever reason. You're waking up that uh, that warrior in him and, and he will not let you past him uh, for, the, for the rest of the game. Uh, I think Alan Hutton almost transforms into a ridiculously good defender uh, when when he is on a yellow card or when he is um, essentially provoked by a winger, and it's it's it's, re- it's interesting to see. You don't see that happen with many players these days, but he does have that kind of a temper. But it's almost a controlled one, if I'm totally honest. Oh, he certainly has been a Villa's own Braveheart, really, hasn't he? This this season, he's he's essentially he's gangly. He's got long arms, long hairy arms. He's muscly. He's angry. He's just. You wouldn't get on the wrong side of him, but it's just he fights people who are bigger than him, smarter than him, tougher than him. And I'm really enjoying his uh, renaissance in this Villa side. I don't know where it's come from, but he's putting well, in I some real quality. What we've seen for, for seasons is probably a lot of discontent in the dressing room. A lot of players who perhaps weren't happy with the way things were going and just never saw um, something, um, just never saw anything good coming up. It was always... It was never anything positive to look forward to. And this is the first season, really, where Villa have been told, look, we're going to take the initiative. We're getting promoted. That's our aim. And surprise, surprise, players wake up when they've got that kind of an attitude, right? Rather than the kind of negativity that managers of the past instilled in them, like Paul Lambert, where you're being told to hold back, you know, have 10 men behind the ball all game and basically. You know, just accept that we're that we're not that good, and just try to rescue whatever points we possibly can. That's the kind of mentality that Alan Hutton was was basically put under for for many seasons, um, and he's been that 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 one guy who stayed there for all that time. Um, unless you want to count Gabby Agbonlo, who who I'm 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 sure is pretty much semi-retired at this point. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's what we're seeing from Alan Hutton—a positive mindset—and he's definitely a uh, definitely a confidence player. He was playing for Tottenham Hotspur not too long ago. Just you know, don't remember, uh, don't forget that uh, there is some talent there. Yeah, I mean, he's really he's really come back, and it must be said that the entire Villa side stepped up once Lansbury and Grealish come on. You know, Glenn Whelan, magnificent in the midfield. He goes missing a lot, and especially you. When he's breaking, you'd expect a lot more from him. He seems very uncomfortable on the ball sometimes. I said, you know, he plays almost like he's 103 years old at some points. He just looks lost. <laughs> uh, when it comes to him, he looks surprised. But yet, yeah, big man in the midfield. He wins the ball. He passes it on. He's perfect recycling player. He will recycle the possession. He'll get it sorted. Um, everyone stepped up. And it's really good to see, especially after the early mistake from Samba, that the whole squad managed to step up. And the draw, 1-1. How happy are you with that? I think 
I would have been happy with three points. Um, I think that that's probably the thing I want to see from Villa. We should really be putting away Leeds United, even if you know you you can call them an evenly matched side. They are a good side. Let's let's not you know let's not get that wrong. But we we need to be taking the initiative and and saying, look, we need to be more along the the lines of Wolverhampton Wanderers and and Cardiff City here. We need to be winning as many games as possible. And uh, w- when you look at the championship, it's easy to look at a lot of sides and go, yeah, yeah, evenly matched. These guys, these, these, this is a good side. You look at a lot of teams around us and you can say that, but at the end of the day, uh, that it's, it's a very competitive division. There's so many teams you can still finish in the playoff places. A lot of teams are considered to be close by. We need to be a step above that. Uh, but with the draw itself, I think away at Ellen Road, uh, away at Leeds, we've got to be a little bit realistic here. Uh, we, we, we're suffering from a few injuries. John Terry's not around. Uh, they caused us so many problems last season. Those same players, Luke Ayling and Pontus Janssen, uh, you know, coming together again. Uh, but but really, I think um, with that, that injection of, of, of creativity that, they, that they've got in Alioski and Hernandez um, also piling the pressure on us. I think we did well to get the point. Uh, and, and I can't complain about it, really. I would have liked to see a little bit more. I think we created a lot of chances. And perhaps if we had a little bit more of a killer instinct, we would have walked away with the with the three points. But that might just be some rose-tinted glasses going on. Yeah, perfect. Well, I'm really happy with the 1-1. One, one. I think everyone at, at some point is uh, at least, you know, positive about it. And it, I'll take that. I'll take it. I'll take it. Interesting opinion, though. Villa consolidate the kind of playoff promotion hunt now the point they don't drop much they're still in fourth i think as we speak they're still pushing for a real promotion. fifth i think now oh well and cardiff got gained a few points didn't they on us they uh yeah, yeah, they exactly, yeah. so yeah more more positives than negatives though i think we managed to fight back at a difficult place we managed to get a point we managed to at least get a positive result go home happy interesting opinion though from i believe it was court carpenter on Twitter, he said, "Legitimate opinion question hmm. regarding the promotion situation." And we're obviously heading at least somewhere to a playoff or promotion. If Villa were in the top flight right now, with the current squad and injuries, where would they be in the table, Daniel? <laughs> current squad and injuries—that—that's what makes the question complicated, doesn't it? I'd imagine. Yeah, because with injuries, it's different. It's completely different. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I I still think, as a side, we don't have what Huddersfield have. We don't have what, say, maybe... Who was the other sides that got promoted last season? I'm trying to remember. Brighton got it. It's Brighton. Uh, who was the other one? Brighton, and obviously... Oh, my gosh. Who was... Newcastle, was of course. Yeah, it's Newcastle. Newcastle. See, out of all those sides, right, the only team we can really compare ourselves to are Newcastle. Huddersfield went up because of a... Because of a you know, beautiful style of play. They've got that. They've got that inbuilt in them, right? That's that's fair enough. That's cool. On and then Brighton, similar kind of thing over here. They've got a team who play a set style of football. It works for them. They'll pick up points like that. We're not that kind of a side. We are still almost that team which which has some really talented players in there, but still plays a very sort of British style. Um, you know, especially under Steve Bruce. And I think we're a lot like Newcastle in that we've got some good players and we've got a lot of big players in our team, uh, which means we're almost expected to do well. Uh, but when it comes to the Premier League, considering our absolute lack of a strike force currently, uh, I can't see us being anywhere 
other than say, I I I think would be in and around the relegation zone, honestly, uh, because if we went up, if if Kajia wasn't fit, would need to have another striker there, and I don't think we would have seen like players like Keenan Davis banging them in on a consistent basis in the Premier League. Albert Doma, I don't know the last time he played Premier League football. That that's another thing as well. So one one appearance last season, I believe, before exactly. it was sold to us. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but yeah. I mean, what what we do have is we we have guys like Sn- like Snodgrass and we have guys like Glenn Whelan who who would step up in the Premier League and they're the kind of players that don't like losing. And uh, we, we I say this, but it's so so important, right? You've got Glenn Whelan who's played at Stoke for years, and we've got a spine in that team, which means that we we would do okay. But it's that injury problem, it's the injury situation, which makes me say that we'd be in and around the relegation zone because with Keenan Davis on his own. <laughs> you can't do it in the Premier League. It's just not possible. Difficult, wouldn't it? But I have to completely agree. Um, squads that go up, they they tend to do well because they've built something over a number of years. Villa's promotion would be essentially quite a rapid thing. It would be, you know, this is the first real season. Let's wipe away last season. Because last season was a mess on and off the pitch. It was a lot of, there was a lot of things going on. There's a lot of change uh, this season, it's uh, about consolidating that change and pushing forward, and they really have. But it's not been the same kind of thing that Brighton and especially Huddersfield have built. Um, Newcastle were a Premier League star team when they went down, and the Premier League star team going up, so they don't really count. Whereas Huddersfield and Brighton have built something, and Aston Villa would have to be more maybe like Newcastle going up, where they know they have the Premier League calibre in their players, and it's essentially bringing more of the same, whereas, you know, Huddersfield and Brighton can maybe rely on their team spirit and especially their style of football to get things done because it's something they're, ex- they're the experts at. They're the number one in the world at how they play, uh, whereas teams like Villa and Newcastle are a bit more uncomfortable and have to rely on that individual quality, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this, is, this, is, this is the way I see it. And it's just a case of, um, right, let's let's be honest, right, we, we will have more money than, than a lot of these clubs. So we've got a lot less excuses. You know, if we if we were to go up, it would have to be a case of, right, we have to make the right signings now. Uh, we we have to do this properly. And I think most of all, we need to have a positive outlook. Uh, we, we can't be thinking about going up and saying, right, let's let's uh, avoid relegation. We need to be going up and doing what Newcastle are doing, essentially, and saying, right, let's finish mid-table. Let's, let's you know, get as high up the table as possible. And Because I, I think that the problem that Villa have had for so many years is is just that, that, mindset that absolute aura that inbuilt culture of negativity and under tony's ear we won't have that so if we were to go up right making the right signings we could finish mid-table it's more than possible with the creativity of guys like snodgrass and adoma right and also our defenders we've got good defenders but it's another case of would need to have reinforcements. Um, the, like I said, right, if we're answering this question purely, right, and we're considering the fact that we've got injuries, we couldn't quite do it. Um, but you you know, you, you also need a little bit of luck when you go up, don't you, in the Premier League? You need that, you need that little bit of luck. Yeah, you even need a luck or some kind of edge. But to go up, Villa will need to keep winning and maybe that path starts on Saturday against Millwall, mate. Three o'clock, back to normality, back to Villa Park against Millwall, recently promoted from League One. How do you feel this match going? Uh, 
first of all, shout out to Millwall because they did defeat Sheffield United this weekend, which is you know it's, yeah, it's a positive thing, for massive them. result. Yeah, but um, next weekend we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to beat them. There's no two, there's no two ways about this. Millwall aren't a very good side. They 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 they're not good at all. They've got a I believe something like a, an average of of one goal a game. They've they've still got woeful discipline. They've had four red cards so far this season. Um, something like tw- uh, twenty eight yellows or something. I am reading the statistics off. By the way, I've made a few notes. Um, but it's it's a case of this isn't a very good team. Uh, they don't score very many goals. We haven't got really much of an excuse um, to defend badly against them. Uh, and and essentially, this is a team which which tend to bottle it a lot. And we should go ahead and. Um, we should go ahead and get the three points here. Uh, I, I just don't see a way for me to justify us not getting <laughs> the three points against them. But you know, perhaps they're going to be in a good mood after after that win over Sheffield United. Yeah, Villa certainly need to improve at home. The Ipswich result last time out at home, it was a positive result, but don't forget the fact that Villa did struggle early on. And especially they did concede again it was another disallowed goal but the proof in the puddings there the goal went in the ball went in the back of the net because Villa were unable to defend it and yeah it was a foul it got pulled back and Villa eventually went on to win the match but if that goal isn't ruled out it's 1-0 down and it's a different story so Villa Miller are a different team let's not forget that at all but that brings a different kind of challenge it's not necessary that they're worse at football than Ipswich. It's just they don't have the talent, discipline, or maybe tactical style as the, the teams higher up in the championship. Especially like Sheffield United, who've, who've done promotion right in that they've taken their plan, moved forward with it, and they won games. Uh, Millwall have the ability to nick a few results, though, and we've seen that. We've seen that throughout the season. They're a poor team, and we have to give them credit where it's due. They can nick results. And do you reckon that's on the cards at all? What, they're nicking the result against Villa? Um, they, they, they could do it. They could do it purely for the, but I can, I can and I can say that because they, despite being perhaps one of the one of the worst teams in the league, I think football wise <laughs> in terms of like being able, I mean you know watching them play, they're still not really anywhere near the relegation zone. They're they're still sort of holding their own and they are nicking the results. The fact that they were able to stop Sheffield United this weekend is is commendable. Uh, they basically scored a lot of. Uh, I think they were they were very good at scoring, um, creating score goal scoring opportunities, uh, despite not having the ball very often. Uh, I think that's um, that that's something that Villa will will, will always will always struggle with, um, especially since we're a side who tend to like to play on the counter attack. Um, so if Millwall do play on the counter against us, uh, th- there is a chance they could you know perhaps scare uh, the likes of uh, the likes of Chris Samba. Um, also, I think it's worth watching out for, you know, some of the some of the creative players that they do have in their team. Uh, they they do have some players who I think could trouble us. Um, I'm I'm looking at the likes of perhaps you know Morrison and 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 Savile as well, who scored six goals from midfield this season. Uh, George Savile, you know, he's uh, he, he's been tremendous for him. Um, I think what we're going to see is Villa going up against a very very typical English. Uh, championship lower league side uh, and I think this has to be routine really uh, it's just going to take a lot of focus as usual well, it's always on the cards isn't it um, especially if you don't respect the teams you play against it gets on their backs they go in at half time and come out a stronger side so I, I do hope that Villa get the three points and it should be it should be routine 
But life in the championship is not routine, and that's defined in teams like Millwall and Sheffield United, who should have been write-offs. And even Bolton, who are doing a lot better than a team who can't buy any players at all or sign loans has any right to do. So I think we need to pay Millwall respect. We need to make the most of rotation. We need to get some fresh faces out there. We need to play in the same way that we have done and uh, kill those games off with a, a good a good spell of goals early on, hopefully through Batman and Albert Adoma again. But Daniel, we're coming to the end of the show, mate. So let's get some predictions in. What do you think is going to happen this match in terms of a scoreline? Right. Okay. So I think that that Millwall will 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 trouble us will trouble us a little bit. Um, I think Jed uh, Jed Wallace is 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 back in the team now as well for 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 Millwall. So he's he's going to cause a little bit of trouble. I think as long as Neil Taylor and Alan Hutton do their jobs, we 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 shouldn't have too much of an issue. Uh. And I, and I think as well, Glenn Whelan, if if he does play, um, he should have the better of George Savile uh, throughout that game. Um, I, I don't think Millwall will score. There, there is that potential for him to do that. Uh, but I think next week, what I'm going to give Villa is a 2-0 victory. I think it's going to be one of those where we're going to struggle to score our first goal. It might come a little bit later on. And I think after that, um, it might just open up for us a little bit, and, and, and we'll grab another one. And I'm, I'm, I'm predicting as well. I'm predicting Jack Grealish to start next week. And one of the reasons I'll say that is because I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I wish I'd, I wish I'd looked over these things before I said them. But I think Robert Snodgrass is, is, is out. I th- not, not through injury, but through suspension. I believe you are right, but I. I also have something in my mind that that kind of refresh window for cards has either come up or passed. So I don't know if they've been wiped or not, or if they're going to be wiped. But I'd look, I'd certainly look out for that if you're uh, if you're following. If Robert Snodgrass isn't around, it's probably more than likely due to suspension rather than anything else. But I do think that window has passed because I think Glenn Whelan should have been suspended for the Leeds match or something like that, and he was clearly there. So, yeah, I'll, I'll keep an eye on that. I think we all should keep an eye on if uh, Snodgrass is around and that. But what's more, we need to keep an eye on your predictions, Matt, because we were right uh, last week with our prediction of a 1-1 draw for the Leeds match. I believe, I think anyone can go back and listen <laughs> and see if we're wrong and correct us. But I think we're right. I think that's what we said. And I feel very comfortable in saying that's what me and you said, Matt. So, yeah, pay attention to those predictions because uh, Daniel's predicting a big win. I predict the win as well. I'm saying, yeah, I'm so saying you, you, where, where do you think Millwall's goal is going to come from? It's going to come from a set play, isn't it? We don't learn. We are we're a side that's constantly proven. We've got proven quality. We've also got a proven uh, proven that we don't learn. We don't learn from anything. Yeah, I mean, it could be Shane Hutchinson. Uh, he's he's obviously quite a big defender that, that they do have. Um, I think actually. The the thing to 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 tell you about as well is they are strong from from set pieces, they they, they are strong from them. Uh, so that there there is a chance that will that will have that happen. And to be honest with you as well, you know if we if we shut in, if we do shut down their midfield, that's the only way they're going to be able to score, isn't it? Uh, but if I'm totally honest, Steve Bruce is going to be working on that, isn't he? That 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 is surely got to be his his training regime over the week. He's got to be looking at the set pieces. Uh, I, I do think generally we're a pretty good side with them, but Leeds Leeds uh, obviously were able to punish us because they've just got two ridiculously big centre halves who know what they're doing. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if Millwall have that same prowess. Well, the chances are always there. I've seen a magic from set piece today when Benevento 
Uh, last minute, uh, first point of the season earned thanks to a goalkeeper nodding in a world-class header from a free kick in the 95th minute. So, yeah, I've seen a bit of a set-piece magic today, mate. We saw it on Friday. It's always going to be on the cards, and it's where these teams like Mill will get points against teams like Villa. But, yeah, mate, any final thoughts? Final thoughts? Uh, well, I, I think... I think I have to say that I'm impressed with Villa recently and I'm I'm very, very happy with the fact that Jack Grealish is back now. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what will happen there because we've had so many positive podcasts over the last few weeks or so where we, we've been talking about the same set of 11 players. And I think we've been we've been talking about rotation, rotation, rotation. Um, and now we're finally going to be able to see it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing if Henry Lansbury and Jack Grealish are able to keep this up. They've started off on a strong footing. And against a side like Millwall, they have no excuse for, for not going in there and, and making another impact. So I think that's um that's something I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. But like other than that, you know, it's it's good to see our players having fun. I think we've gone from a team who I think had their like end of season celebration cancelled, I think a couple of seasons ago. I'm not sure. Um to a side who's you know, we've got players, you know, jumping around on on Instagram, clearly clearly having fun in fancy dress. And I think there's finally a good atmosphere going around, uh, going on around the club. And it's good that we didn't, um, in the week, it's good that we didn't show what we saw in previous seasons where we go 1-0 down and our players absolutely lose track of what's going on and drop their heads. Uh, there was real fight in that. And it's just very, very difficult to to be upset with Villa at the moment. Massive positives. And especially I'm looking forward to watching the match next week. Not only that, but looking forward to recording another Holtcast because we'll have something new, ideally to speak about whether Snodgrass is suspended or not. But we'll know there'll be a few changes. There has to be. Simply has to be. And if uh, Villa don't learn from that, what will they learn from? But yeah, come to the end of the podcast, mate. Again, it's been very enjoyable, very excellent to have you on and speaking about all things Villa. It's been another hour or so, completely Villa talk, except for that little mention of the uh, Benevento incident early. That's on my Twitter as well, if you want to catch that, because <laughs> it is it is something to behold. It really is um, a team in Serie A with no points after promotion. And of course, they earn their first points against Gennaro Gattuso's Milan. Oh, uh, right, and uh, it's it's it really is a, an excellent story. Uh, I support Milan, so I'm not too happy. But I did cheer when it went in because you know you like to see these things in football. If not, you know I'd hate it to happen against Villa, a team I dearly, desperately love. But you have to applaud it when it happens, and you know it's going to happen against you sometimes. Also, also awful day if you're an AC Milan supporter because Inter Milan won five nil over the weekend. Yeah. So you know, big, wow. <laughs> big thing to mention well, yeah, there. Um, the situation about Milan is completely dodgy. And especially if we start doing a midweek thing, I'd love to really fucking go into that because it is, <laughs> you know, have we got five, have we got five minutes? We can go fucking, I need to, I need to get this out now because AC Milan, I'm right. pretty sure are owned by an international criminal who's made up. It's literally like me owning AC Milan, just making up bank statements and making up assets because everything that he said he's owned isn't owned and there's no money and the club are probably going to go into administration within a year. Serious. Right. I cannot comment. I cannot comment. But just that the, even the hiring of Gattuso to me was just hilarious because I'm sure Gattuso's whole legacy as a manager was was getting in trouble for like swearing at somebody, wasn't he, with a middle finger? Oh, he, he also so. grabs someone around the neck as a manager. But today, um, do you know that thing when managers get the ball and kind of do a flick with it? 
Like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I've still got it. Gattuso tried to do it. <laughs> and the board, the board just sailed past him. It's gone. It's gone. And after the match, the best thing is, he uh, did his press conference and everyone was expecting fireworks. And of course they happened. He said that he'd have rather been stabbed multiple times than concede that goal at the end. And I think, you know, I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm here for the ride. I'm here for the ride. No, I'm not here to see this team win. I'm, here, I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> Aston Villa are my team now. They're the team I enjoy watching, mate. Yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely. And I think it's it's good to it's good that you finally got a team which um which is gonna which is making you happy because AC Milan haven't been making anybody happy for, for very many seasons. I've got that same syndrome of I somehow managed to support two international cricket sides who never show me any glory until recently. And I also um have had the issue in the past of of uh basically um yeah just 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 seeing my football team and my cricket team lose every single weekend so i i know how that feels um but uh another thing as i know there's so many things we just probably need to wrap out the way is that birmingham and wolverhampton wanderers are, are taking on each other on monday night so any villa fans who have ever wanted the opportunity to support blues there's your chance Oh God! Don't ever mention that again, mate. Not on a live, on a hot mic. You've said that. Are you going to take that back? You want to take that back at all? Support right. Blues? No, I'm not saying support Blues. Right? Three Birmingham City points would be very positive for us. Right? Oh, let them take. That. Let them know. take down Wolverhampton Wanderers. Let them do our dirty work for us. It's like when Liam Ridgewell scored the own goal. That's how yeah. I like to see it. Well, I appreciate that you've managed to come back from that in quite respectable, man. Because that was that was death talk, mate. That was <laughs> getting you killed. That would, but I mean, I'm yeah, I'm happy with Villa. They're making me happy. They should be making everyone happy. Henry Lansbury is making me happy, and I love Jack Grealish. I'm really excited about supporting Villa once more. It's been a horrible few years, but it looks like if it's not a total turnaround, at least we're winning games or drawing games and getting those victories victories and points that make us feel so happy and if even if that's not happening at least we're playing well in points so yeah as usual it's been me james rush you can catch me at jamo russian j-a-m-o-r-u-s-h-t-o-n on the twitter daniel d-h-r-a-z-a and he'll be back on tv hopefully soon with a few more exciting projects especially in the podcast format as well so keep an eye on him follow him give him talk and also give us any feedback you may have it's also really important to know what people think about the show, if they like what we're doing or if they can suggest anything better. It's all always good to hear either side of feedback, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I, I like hearing opinions on the show. I like uh, I like when people um, offer you know new advice and, and new ideas because that's the only way that uh, we can make a podcast for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, and no, especially I think as we keep going, we'll keep getting better. I'm rather new to podcasting in the sense I've only been doing it regularly since the start of this season. I kind of did it as a hobby before, but now I've got like two podcasts and I think I'm going to get more. So I can't hold all these podcasts. So I need to get better at them. And if you can help me, if anyone can help me get better and I'm help Daniel get better and we can make really good stuff. So yeah, yeah I think that, that's re- really cool. And yeah, again, thank you very much for listening. We do appreciate every single person who listens to this show week in and week out because we can see you. It's the same numbers every week, so the same people listen to the show, and it's you know really positive to see. No matter how many people are listening, it's always good to see the same people are listening. So yeah, once again, keep it Holtcast. Um, share us around. Give us your opinions. Me and Daniel will be delighted to hear anything you have to say about Holtcast, positive or negative. And we'll be here next Sunday, same place, same time, same team. Hopefully uh, a different result with three points. 
Catch you later.